Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. they be willing to go back under the bondage of Pharaoh in order to experience a few pleasures of Egypt? We do that today. We go back under the bondage of sin, though we've been freed from the bondage of sin through Christ, in order that we might enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And we place ourselves under the bondage of sin. You see, That's what Paul is trying to drive home here. In today's message, Pastor David explores the correlations of Paul's message to the Corinthians with our current state of affairs. Paul taught that living for Jesus Christ has current and future awards, but life is an ongoing battle with sin. Are you submitting to God or sin? If one surrenders to sin rather than God, they'll miss out on the rewards that God has for them now and in eternity. The only way to survive this battle is by the truth of God, which leads us and gives us life. And here's Pastor David with part one of today's message entitled, Free for the Glory of God. Uh, 1 Corinthians, I invite you to turn there. We've been in 1 Corinthians for a while. We uh, are now in chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians. There's a direct connection actually with chapter 10 with the previous chapters and some of the things that uh, the Apostle Paul has been dealing with and having to focus in on with the church there in Corinth, some of the issues that they've been having, a variety of things like pride within the church, judging one another, idolatry, self-centeredness, immorality, particularly sexual sins, as well as this whole deal of uh, eating meats that have been uh, previously sacrificed to idols. And we look at that and say, well, what in the world does that have to do with me? We're going to touch on a couple of things tonight. And, and really, how, how you would deal with those struggles in that area. Now, we look at a list like that, the judging, idolatry, in other words, placing something else before or in front of our love for God, uh, self-centeredness, immorality, sexual sins, these kinds of things. I mean, the church is dealing with those today. Uh, the church has dealt with those since uh, the beginning of the church. As a matter of fact, I think humanity has, has dealt with those since the time of creation. Again, once man came on and sin entered into the earth, these kinds of things were something that humanity has struggled with. I shared with you that in the earlier portions of our studies there in 1 Corinthians, there were times that you could almost hear the very frustration of the Apostle Paul as he's trying to bring this instruction to the church. They should have known better. They should have understood better. Probably in every pastor's life, there are days, there are seasons 
Sometimes there's years. Sometimes, uh, you know, issues that you think, man, we've gone over this. We've gone over this. We've gone over this. I've preached about it. We, we've talked about it in, in staff meetings. We've talked about it in church gatherings together and issues that are still going on. I think that as Paul is writing to this church here in Corinth, and as we shared as we've gone through, this isn't his first time of writing them, though in our Bibles it is 1 Corinthians. We know from what he's saying that he has written to them before. We just don't have a copy of that. Dealt with them even when he was there and he gave birth to that church by leading those there in that community to Christ, the church beginning there, and again, pouring himself into those people for that period of time. The conversation that he's had through the years with different ones as they've traveled along coming from Corinth or going to Corinth, sharing with them over and over again. And I know that as he's writing these things, just as we shared, I think, uh, a couple of weeks ago, like he said in, in chapter three, man, I wanted to talk to you like mature people, but I've got to talk to you like babes, like babes in Christ, because you're just not growing. You're just not there. Well, I actually want to start tonight's study, chapter 10, actually in uh, chapter 9, the last few verses in chapter 9. If you've got your Bibles, I invite you to turn to chapter 9 and look down at uh, verse 24. Verse 24. Again, trying to drive home to these believers there in Corinth, living in a really immoral society, surrounded by all kinds of not only the pagan worship, the sexual immorality, but just the the grossness of the culture that's there. As we shared earlier on, if someone were to say, man, you're like a Corinthian, that's not a compliment, okay? When they say you're acting like a Corinthian or she is like a Corinthian, well, if she's like a Corinthian, well, she is a woman of ill repute, and, and again, that whole kind of idea. So here we are in chapter 9, verse 24, and Paul's been writing to them for a while here in verse 24. He says, don't you know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? So run in such a way that you may obtain it. In other words, he's saying you're in this thing called Christianity. You say that you're a believer. You say that you're following Christ. Then live your life like it. Run for the reward at the end of that race. He goes on to say, everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Granted, if you are are in a track and field competition, and you know that you've got to be a lean, mean, running machine in order to compete in that, your daily routine is probably not going to be stopping by the donut shop. Okay, you've got to be temperate in those things. You're probably not going to be feeding up on a lot of other kinds of meals that are just going to wreak havoc in your body. You're going to be temperate in those things. That's what Paul is saying. You as a believer, there's things within your life that you need to cut out of your life if you're really going to run the race the way that it ought to be run, and in order for you and I to be able to receive the prize that is ours. Now, I'm not talking about salvation. We're going to get into this just a moment. But I'm talking about, again, the rewards of Christ, the, the knowledge of the blessings of God within our life, even as we're here running this race. So we have both current rewards as well as the future rewards. He goes on there. He says, therefore, I run like this, not with uncertainty, And this is how I fight, not as one that simply beats the air. I discipline my body, I bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. 
And again, he's sharing with not only the church there in Corinth, but with you and I even tonight. He's sharing with them that the Christian life is a full-time battle. Full-time battle. The flesh continues to struggle against the spirit. And granted, we have some good days, we have bad days, but I think that if we went around the room, we would uh, agree with the fact that, yeah, the battle is always there. I asked a brother in the fellowship a number of years ago. He was 80-something years old. He was in a wheelchair. And I asked him, I said, I won't even say his name, but I'll say, does the battle with the flesh ever end? He says, no. He says, because the mind is still there and the battle is still always there. I may not be able to get out and do what I used to do, but you know, the battle is always there. Beloved, as long as we're carrying this carcass around with us, we're going to have that battle that's going on. Therefore, we've got to, again, continually be training. We've got to be continually with the understanding that, hey, I've got to be ready for battle. I've got to be ready to, again, compete well within this race. It would seem from both the previous as well as the verses that are going to follow that this church here in Corinth had an issue with pride that impacted them in a lot of areas. Remember earlier on in the chapters, at the very beginning, he was talking about these spiritual cliques. And it wasn't just that one followed after Apollos, the other after uh, Paul, the other after Cephas or Peter, and the other after Jesus. No, but there was, within those cliques, there was a a one-upsmanship, and there was a great division that came into the body because of that. Rather than, again, looking at each other as equals, as brothers and sisters in Christ, willing to, again, assist, to help, to be a part of lives. No, they were like, you know, this section is one group, this section is another, this section is another. This section is another. Whenever we stand up to greet each other, I'm only going to greet somebody in my section. And that's all we're going to hang out with because these other guys, you know, they're not as spiritual as you guys, right? And so these guys, why would you even mess around? That was the mindset that was going on in Corinth. Disregard for all the weaker or the younger brothers and the sisters in the faith. There were some that were struggling in areas and they disregarded them in some of the freedoms that the Corinthians had, man, they were flaunting their freedoms in Christ to the great discouragement of some of these younger or weaker brothers and sisters in Christ. They felt that they had this strong spirituality that they really did not have. They felt that they had a closeness to Christ that really wasn't there because otherwise their hearts and their actions, their attitudes would have been totally different. It seems to me that through these struggles in Corinth, they're very much like the struggles that we have today. Very, very much. I mean, a couple of things as, as we'll look. Yeah, we don't deal with, uh, you know, the butcher shop being a, a place where the meat to the idols was sacrificed. But many of these other things, we still deal with the human flesh just like it was back then. Paul goes on to give the church there in Corinth and for you and I an example of Israel after God had saved them out of Egypt. And again, we know in the New Testament, there's many areas it speaks about when God took them out of Egypt. That was symbolic. That was also metaphorically speaking, just like we are saved out of sin. Israel was saved out of Egypt, saved out of the bondage of Pharaoh. When we come to Christ, we're saved out of the bondage of Satan. Look what he says now getting into chapter 10, verse 1. He says, more Moreover, brethren, 
I don't want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud. All passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Did you catch as he declared this? He uses a a literary trick there, again, of just getting their attention. Look, all of them went under the cloud. All of them went through the sea. All were baptized. All ate the same spiritual food. All drank the same spiritual drink. So again, he's taking all of Israel together, all those that had got saved out of Egypt, all those that came out of the bondage of Pharaoh. Paul lays this out, and you can really see a really clear pattern between what went on in Israel when they were saved out of Egypt with what goes on within the life of believers when we come to Christ. We look at the Old Testament example, God saved them out of the bondage of Egypt. In the New Testament, we look, God saves us from the bondage of sin through faith and redemption through Christ. In the Old Testament, Israel was joined together as a nation for the very first time. Really, that's when they became a nation, when they came out of Egypt. They were under that protective cloud of God's hand. They were under the leadership of Moses. In the New Testament, we see the correlation with that is that we were not a people before we came to Christ, but once we came to Christ, now we have become a people, the people of God. We're joined together as the bride of Christ. We're under the leadership of our Lord Jesus, and again, a greater than Moses, just as Moses declared would come. In the Old Testament, Israel, all of Israel, passed through the sea, physically separated from Egypt. That Red Sea crossing, that division from Egypt and on into the wilderness, moving on to the promised land is such a clear visual of what takes place within the life of an individual when they come to faith in Christ. We submit to to baptism as a physical sign of our separation from the world and unto Christ. It's not the baptism that saves, but it's a very clear picture of, again, what has taken place in our lives. In the Old Testament, God provided physical food and drink for them as they traveled through the land. In the New Testament, we understand that God provides for us spiritual nourishment as we travel in our journey here on this earth. God provides spiritual nourishment in a number of ways, but it flows still from that rock who is Jesus Christ. And again, in the Old Testament, God provided a rock to give them water, that water of life. God provides for us the living water through Christ. In the Old Testament, even though they were all saved from Egypt, too much of Egypt remained in many of them, and God wasn't pleased with them at all. And today, I believe today that there's too many believers that continue on in the same patterns that they had while they were still under the bondage of sin 
they take them with us and they continue to carry them and they continue to live many of those things out of the life that they used to have before they came to Christ. In the Old Testament, Paul says that most of them never entered the fullness of the promised land. They perished in the wilderness. And I see the same correlation with the New Testament. Today, way too many believers are not walking in victory. They're still walking in the wilderness. They've still got the struggles of the wilderness in their lives. They continue to struggle in the wilderness without fully coming into that promised land, the joy, the fullness of the Lord, the victories that the Lord brings over battles. Now, it doesn't mean that, uh, that we ever come to the point where there's no battles. Even when they got into the promised land, there were battles. But it's a whole different realm of thought, attitude, action, placement, provision of God, and all of these things. Once you enter into that promised land, the fullness of the Holy Spirit working and moving within the life of a believer. In the wilderness, oh yeah, I'm saved but I have no joy, I have no victory, I have no passion for Christ, I have no real hunger for the word, there's no real encouragement in my life for the things of Christ. That's a believer that's living in the wilderness. And it says that in the Old Testament, it says many of them perished there. You know what, I believe that there's a lot of believers that live all of their life since they come to Christ, live their entire life, and they die literally, without ever coming to the fullness of what is ours. Well, pastor, does that mean that they're not saved? No, that just means that they're dragging around a whole lot of garbage with them. They've got a lot of burden in their life. There's not the fullness of the joy. There's not the completeness of the victory in their life. Yeah, they're saved, but as the word says in many places, they're saved though as by fire. And again, it's just that kind of attitude. And too often we see the church, many of these same issues, and they need to be brought to the light of God's word and to the spirit of God. We recognize these things in our lives. When we recognize these things in our lives, we need to be at that point where we're willing to repent. Remember, we talked about that last Sunday. They need to repent. They need to turn. They need to confess. They need to submit all for the Lord's leading, all for the Lord's empowering in their lives. Paul doesn't pull any punches here. He's talking to a church that he knows and a church that he knows is messing up in a lot of ways. And so he, as he points these things out, again, he says, man, the same problems that were going on in Israel are still going on today there at the church in Corinth. Let's look at verses six through 11. He says, now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. That we should not become idolaters as they were. Because as it's written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. You see all of these things going on. All of these things happen, he says, to them as examples. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the end of the ages has come. Paul warns the church 
And twice in this short little passage, he speaks about these things became an example for us. All these things happened to them as examples, not examples for them, but examples for us, for the church of Corinth, for the church of Casa Grande today. We need to learn by example. And you know what? I'd much rather learn by somebody else's mistakes than my own. Amen? You know, I, I, man, I've, I've gone into many places. I've gone, I've, I've got graduate degrees in the school of hard knocks and the school of bad experiences. I don't need any more letters after my name in regards to that. We need to be in that place in that time where we see not only the, the biblical examples, but we can look around at family, at friends, maybe even brothers and sisters within the fellowship here and say, man, they are really struggling in that area. What's going on? What's going on? How can I learn from that? How can I deal with that? And move forward and move up. Even after being freed from Egypt, the people of Israel, they continued to lust after the things of Egypt. You read uh, again the the battles that were going on there. We read them, and a lot of them are listed in numbers. And they're just the oh man, we you brought us out here to die. We, we we it was so much better for us in Egypt. Now, if you remember, just before they left Egypt, they were dying there again. Pharaoh was getting harder and harder and harder on them. The taskmasters were beating them, and again the struggle that was there. They, they wanted to go back, and the only thing that they could remember, you know, it's kind of like you and I when we remember the good old days. You, you remember only the good of the old days. We don't remember too much of the bad, but all they remembered was the good. Oh, we want the leeks and the onions. We could sit back on the Nile and have sweet tea and eat our leeks and onions. No, they didn't have a chance to do all that. They didn't have a chance to relax. They were, they were slaves back there. They were lusting for what was back there that they really didn't have. Rather than being satisfied with the bread that God provided for them to sustain their lives, they desired to go back. And the only way that they could go back to Egypt, guys, is if they went back under the bondage of Pharaoh. How much did they desire those things? Were they willing even to that point, come back under the bondage of Pharaoh just so they could have what they imagined to be a few pleasures. It's a question to you, but at the same time, I think that you and I both know the answer if we think about it. Would they be willing to go back under the bondage of Pharaoh in order to experience a few pleasures of Egypt? We do that today. We go back under the bondage of sin, though we've been freed from the bondage of sin through Christ, in order that we might enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And we place ourselves under the bondage of sin. You see, that's what Paul is trying to drive home here. Listen, the sweetness of Egypt isn't nearly what you thought it was. That's why you've got to keep going and let God be your provision and let God bring the good pleasure and the desire and the delight of your life because the enemy is coming and saying, oh no, remember how it used to be. Remember how it used to be. Come back, come back again. And so we believe the lies of the enemy. We believe the the lies and the drives of the flesh. We believe the trickery of the world, all of these things, and we find ourselves back under the bondage of sin. Many of them, they were drawn into idolatry. 
worshiping of idols as they were going across the world. Remember the golden calf experience? What was going on at that point in time? You, you think, come on, guys. Open our hearts. Change us from within by the open word. We're so glad you joined us today on The Open Word for Pastor David Landry's verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter teaching through the book of 1 Corinthians. You can find more messages from Pastor David and information about The Open Word by visiting our website, theopenword.com. If you're looking for a home church and are in the Casa Grande area, why not join us for a time of worship and Bible study? Calvary Chapel Casa Grande has services each Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. on Wednesdays and Saturdays. You can find location information and directions by going to theopenword.com and following the links to the church homepage. Now here's Pastor David with some information on how you can help support the ministry of The Open Word. Hey, I love being able to share the Word of God with you through this radio ministry. Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. But as with any ministry, there are expenses. I know God is blessing His children through The Open Word, and God has given us a vision to see this ministry expand and reach even further. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word? Log on to theopenword.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all the time we have for today. But join us again as we continue digging deeper into the book of 1 Corinthians right here on The Open Word.